Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Outside the Studio. I'm so honored to introduce you to Corinne Griot. She is the author of Angel Wealth Magic, Simple Steps to Hire the Divine and Unlock Your Miraculous Financial Flow, which I could use some of that right about now. I'll tell you what, Corinne. (laughs) She's a psychotherapist and obviously an author. Um, She understands that magic is easily dismissed as new age or woo-woo. She has also learned both personally and professionally through her work with tens of thousands that it is accessible, practical, and highly effective. And I definitely want to talk about this kind of like new age, old age. I don't know. It's just such a weird thing. So I'm curious to hear what your experience is with that yeah, and how you address it with clients and stuff. You know, Um, that's one topic I want to hit. I also want to speak a little bit more about the book, Angel Wealth Magic, um, helping readers to invoke and harness the power of ancient wealth magic, angels and allies. So we'll talk about what angels and allies are. Um, The book talks about improving your relationship with money and shedding financial concerns. Uh, We'll talk about dispelling unconscious blocks that may be keeping us from our full wealth attraction potential. And we'll talk about using channel writing and what channel writing is to build a relationship with the angels. So Corinne, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Ah, thanks for inviting me. I'm doing great today. Yay. And I'm not just saying that because that's the thing to say. Good. Oh, that reminds me. I'm. Do you know who Martha Beck is? Are you familiar with her oh, work? I'm so familiar. What What does she What does she do? She's a. She's also a writer, and she just published uh, her newest book is The Way of Integrity, and um, it's all about just telling the truth and like one of those maxims that we use in our society of being polite and like saying. Oh, I'm great when we don't really feel great or, you know, feeling like we have to dim our greatness if we are really feeling great. So I just love that you said, and I'm not just saying that I really am great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big proponent of like, oh, I'm fine, you know, but I love, I love that because I think in a way that's where our society wants to go, like more authentic, more vulnerable and just less BS. Yeah. It's, it's just, I think so much for, at least for, um, you know, body, mind, and spirit connection, feeling like, okay, I'm actually embodied. I can trust my intuition. I can trust the signals from my body. We have to be able to tell the truth. That starts, starts with really simple things like being honest when someone asks you how you are and having the courage to say, I'm not doing well. Actually, this is really shitty. It sucks today. Or, hey, I'm great. I'm loving life. And this is why. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, let's talk about angel wealth magic. Would you tell me a little bit why, a little bit about why you decided to write this book? Yeah, I think because it's for a lot of people, it is not those are three words that some people would never string together, you know, angels and wealth or angels and magic. And that's generally because they don't understand angels and um, really the history of how people have worked with angels in the past. But I was inspired 
to write this book because I had such an incredible financial miracle in doing some of these steps that that uh, I put together that when I was sitting down giving my offerings and uh, my gratitude to spirit and to the angels, they said, you know, they're, they're essentially the reason why you had such an incredible success is because you're not meant to keep this to yourself and, uh, you know, time to share. And, you know, it's like a slippery slope because, quote unquote, spiritual folk, you know, we just pretend like the cash quotient isn't important and uh, it's not a not a not a spiritual thing to talk about. So it was kind of like an edge for me to cross and as all of the things that I do with angels, you know, you know, because I'm working through inspiration and through guidance, through intuition. And a lot of times, sometimes what we're guided to do are things that pretty much diametrically oppose what we think our personality wants to do or what our what our personality feels like it's capable of. So, but I'm so used to this by now because I've been working the kind of the mystical path for such for quite a while now. So I know that just because it's challenging doesn't mean I shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you are. How did you get into this work? Uh which work? The the angels? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so I Yes, overall, the angels and putting those three concepts together, angel wealth magic, which, as you said, might not always go together. Or yeah, you might not think, think so. You might not think yeah. so. Uh, well, the thing is, is that when I encounter the angels, you know, how I learned about the angels was not through books. It was through uh, a very powerful experience and miracle that happened. And so from that point on, I realized angels were real and it kind of activated my intuitive and spiritual gifts. But one of the things that I had noticed along the way was as I began listening to my intuition, following um, that guidance and really even incorporating angels into my private practice, because I am a psychotherapist as well. And I did not want to do anything dealing with angels. That was not like my goal in life. Uh, I was already a practicing therapist, thought I had a career. So um but again, I started hearing the angels. And and so as I started listening to my guidance and incorporating this work and actually coming out of the angel closet, um, what I noticed was that my finances were always very supported by almost kind of like the more authentic I got, the more real or honest I got with how, how things actually work for me. And so, so so with the angel wealth magic, angels have always, you know, been associated with magic. It's just a, in a way that the current form of spirituality and new age philosophy has kind of, in a way, hijacked some of the truth about angels, the ancient, um, where ancient magicians have always worked with angels to come and activate them to work toward, to help them work with becoming more conscious, more aware, more even enlightened. And so, um, so, so when it comes to magic though, when I was younger, it's so weird, but when I was younger, I found a, um, a group of people that studied and practiced Western traditional magic. And so I learned a lot. I stay, I was in that school. It was like being a Western monk, but like magic style. So I lived in the school and I learned a lot about magic, but you know, in my mid, by my mid twenties, it like, it was like something was missing and I became disillusioned. So I kind of left that path. So, um, so over the years. So once I had this this um, miracle happen with the angels, I realized they were real. So um, 
So it's only just recently that I'm kind of stringing those words together because what spirit has guided me to do is to really look at the difference between magic and miracles and to really begin speaking more openly about that those things are very much the same. Um, it's just that the way we compartmentalize uh, what magic is, because a lot of people have taken negative connotation when it comes to magic. Some people, uh, you know, from traditional religions, oh, you know, sorcery. But, you know, the, the fact is, is that it's very natural. We're very magical creatures. And our, all of our ancestors have always known that. It's just through the process of colonization that we forgot or got suppressed. And as many of the feminine arts did. Um, so one step at a time, bit by bit, you know. Uh, is how the work came to be. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. What an interesting childhood or early adulthood you must have had. Living oh, God, in that's just the beginning. I mean, there was some jail. There was a lot of things happening yeah. in my early 20s. <laughs> some jail. I talk about uh, a lot of that stuff in my um, in my first book, The Angel Experiment. But, oh, but yeah, cool. yeah, it's been a journey. So that's what, you know, my whole point and even the first book is that if the angels allowed me to participate with them and to bring as many miracles as they have into my life and into the tens of thousands of folks that I serve around the world, then they're accessible to everyone. And it doesn't need to be a religious construct or a religious thing. It's beyond religion. Angels have been around since the beginning. We even have ancient cave paintings that show benevolent beings supporting humanity with learning agriculture and things like that. So I do feel like this is how all of our ancestors learn how to survive. And it's through working with these benevolent forces is the reason why we're standing here today. Like you and I are alive. Yeah. So, okay, I'm I'm trying to formulate this question in my head and it's kind of around the, you know, that magic is easily dismissed as woo-woo or new age, kind of how do we disseminate that, talk about it, educate around it, um, how do we discern uh, between what we would label as new age or woo-woo with something that is more um, honoring of the, the tradition or the ancient roots of angels and magic and allies um, yeah, could you speak to that a little bit? I don't know if it's a clear question, but I'm wanting to kind of unpack this, these concepts. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great question. And I think it's something for all of us to kind of dialogue about, about kind of dismantling this compartmentalization that we have, because sometimes the, the new age positions are very ungrounded, meaning there's no lineage that you can, you know, it's just like, oh, because I channeled the fifth dimension, this must be true kind of thing. And so, um, and this, some of these things is what gives uh, some of the disconnectedness and the disassociation that happens is what gives the woo woo thing such a bad name. But also what gives it a bad name is the fact that anything that is not you're not able to put on, under a microscope is dismissed or demonized in particular demonized. So all of us, I just feel the more we can detach from some of the labels and get into like the reality, which is if you look at it, the, the cultural constructs around us, if you look historically at all traditions um, and even, even current traditions of religion, they are all uh, created around things like invocation, uh, ritual, 
And so again, there is no separation, but it, you know, this whole woo woo thing is just an, another way to attack the mystical arts and uh, to diminish the real power that's there. And those of us who had no, um, I guess, no entry point, because some of us were just kind of naturally dialed into the mystical, to the mystical way. And there's a lot of us that were born into really structured religious um, backgrounds that demonized it. But, you know, one of my positions is to understand that if you feel that you are just new age or woo-woo, yet you are super dialed in to the spiritual world, that your tradition, actually, people like us, people like us are the ones who started all of those religions. Every major religion began with someone, a mystic, who was dialed in. So it's not new age, it's old age, and it's not woo-woo, it's practical and Humans have been doing this since the beginning. So I get a little like upset, I think about it, because it is a way, again, as the church has always done to diminish the feminine power and to demonize those practices that did not empower the church itself. And a lot of the demonization, like I said, comes from the church trying to consolidate their power. So of course, the people with the other lands on the other lands are evil, which is why we can go slay them and take their land and take their property. So I know that's probably a little bit more than you bargained for with that with that question, but that's my real position on it as the more work that I do and the more that I'm guided to do, I guess my own research on actual history. I don't watch YouTube videos for it. It's actual history that I'm, you know, that we're kind of looking at and how these practices were marginalized. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate the honesty and um, your, your position. I, you know, I tend to agree with and um, yeah, I, I feel like when I hear the word woo woo and new age, as it applies to in my industry of, of teaching yoga and thinking about honoring yoga's ancient roots, or even just the way that I was raised in kind of a mystical spiritual background. Um, you know, my parents had a sweat lodge in our backyard. We had, um, you know, uh, practices of prayer that were more Native American in um, look and feel. And so whenever people, this, this term woo-woo, that just came into my vocabulary in my 30s feels very dismissive yes to me and and how I was raised in my belief system and a way to kind of um dismiss it is dismissive a way to dismiss like the the connection with spirit the the validity of spirit the need for spirit and the ability to just tap into intuition it feels dismissive of all of that so yes. yeah I tend to and it, and it is and that's why I think when you're developing and working with your intuition, and I have, you know, trainings that help people with their intuition, to me, it comes clear that it's not a passive woo-woo thing. It is truly at this stage in the game, a, a revolutionary act to, to really confront um, the dismissiveness around it, the demonization around it. And, uh, and for those of us that are kind of dialed in, we, in a way, have an 
I, I feel we have an obligation to speak out because I feel like that is what cures the soul of humanity when we get an authentic connection, a real devotion, a real reverence for the invisible allies, um, as opposed to someone told me that this is the right thing to do and then I'm going to not be in hell. You know, it, it's so different. It's just different when it comes through experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about some of the key concepts in the book, I want to start with um, how do we invoke or harness the power of, of using these concepts of in within ancient um, wealth magic? How do we apply this to our daily life? And I know it's a big question, so feel free to take your time with it, unpack it. And how do you apply, how do we apply what specifically to daily life? The the just like let's let's start broad and narrow down the concepts within angel wealth magic and i know there's a lot in the book but um more broadly how do we start to think about working with these concepts within the book how do we apply them to our daily life how do we let okay maybe i could get more granular with that how do we work with angels yeah okay so you work with them by making a conscious choice to uh to understand them and to uh get to know them and to befriend them essentially and and so there's a lot of different ways to do that you know i do it totally like fairly differently in my first book um but when a human makes a conscious choice to understand their invisible allies as real beings not just I went on in meditation and there's this I met my spirit guide, but as real beings that are right here in the room with us that are here to really support our mission, support our deepest dreams. So to me, that is like the first beautiful act of any uh, not just wealth magic, but also inner wealth magic, maintaining and building your friendships with your spiritual allies. And those can come in a lot of different ways. People, you know, the word angel just means messenger. And a lot of people, depending on their frameworks that they use, you know, they could could see them as ancestors. They could see them as animals. They could see them as nature. Uh, But understanding there are psychic forces outside of you that are ready and prepared to help you in extraordinary ways. So that's the first step. If we're not engaging our magic, then we are unconsciously going through life and we feel as if life is happening to us as opposed to through us. So so creating any kind of daily practice to say hello and also something that we miss in the West is that building relationship uh, also includes making making offerings. So we know about praying and praying is very one-sided. Hey, Hey, help me out. As opposed to, oh my gosh, thank you. You're so beautiful. And here, here's here, I'm gonna light a candle for you or like give you a little something. So the our indigenous practices and all of our ancestors knew that it's reciprocal. There's an exchange. So I just say saying hello and asking um uh to show me that you're real and uh show me how to work with you and to sit and wait for an actual response whether it's in your body you feel a little shift or um you see some more light or you feel lighter brighter uh, but the principles in here are very specific and i start the book out 
because this is about wealth and helping people go through psychological processing um, to really look at even just their belief systems underneath the hood about money, because understanding how we might be obstructing ourselves is just as important uh, as you set up the ritual, because you can do any ritual in your life, but if you're not all the way on board with what you're doing, it's going to have kind of like, it's not going to, going to connect and, uh, connect in the same way. So I walk people through a lot of different processes and introduce them to different angels that can solve things like a poverty consciousness or kind of a fear of money or whatever it is so that they can come into the ritual with a right, uh, with a really juicy, delicious attitude. And at the end of the book is an 11 day ritual, uh, a sequential ritual to call in different um, angels and allies that are, have historically been used to help us um, attract wealth. Mm, thank you. Um, okay, so can we kind of start to define? And maybe these are synonyms, but words like um, angel, which I love. I love that you translated as a messenger. It means messenger, spirit guide, allies. Are these synonyms, or are there differentiating factors between? There's the definitely different kinds. There's definitely okay. different kinds. There are like, you know, if I look at what angels uh, feel like, angels feel very effervescent um, for me because I, I, I'm i a clairsentient. I have a lot of clairsentience, so I can feel the difference between what spirits are in the room or what kind of allies are showing up. Um, but there's different, if you think of like even color or the rainbow, every color has a different frequency. So it's very much similar where different allies will have different frequencies. And so angels can sometimes have a very like effervescent texture. If you're working with like an ancestor, it feels like a family member is in the room. It feels like family. Although angels to me feel like brothers and sisters as well. I mean, to me, it's all family. We just have to understand who we are, which is so multidimensional, you know? Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Um, Okay. So you started to talk about money and I wanted to dive into this topic a little bit more in terms of. You're like, bring on the cash. Let's talk about some cash. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it is in the title of the book and it's so important. You know, I think like there's, there's so many people out there, so many listeners that can resonate with this idea that um, we want to leave the corporate machine. We want to carve away for ourselves as entrepreneurs in the industry of yoga and wellness. It is hard to think about, okay, I'm providing something of value and in exchange for that, I need money. And which is so valid and true, you know, to, to live a fruitful life, right? It's, it's true and valid. And it's also hard to know your worth and to know that you should ask for what you're worth. And, um, and that, that will be reciprocated. And, you know, like, for example, put, I put something out there like a workshop, mm-hmm. um, Hey, everybody, this workshop is $350. It is a value because X, Y, and Z, and then nobody shows up or nobody signs up. What's the, what's going on there? Is it a limiting belief? How do I create something that I feel is a value that so does everyone else. And we're willing to invest in ourselves in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a cultural shift, but with that particular example, there's a few things to look at because I do a lot of business coaching too. So sometimes it's the marketing strategy and the messaging around it that needs to be looked at and you being willing, you know, in your case, Tessa, as I kind of feel in and spirits kind of showing me like 
you have to be willing to fluff out your peacock feathers and to really just go, you know, here it is. And this is why it's valuable and really claim it, you know, like this, this is why, but also knowing that it's a relationship between you and the, us and the buyers, right? Like us and your, our deal clients. And so we're a little shy and I'll tell you why we're shy. It's, uh, and I mentioned this in a book, there's the demons there. We all have the demons that stop us. And one of the main demons is the shame demon. And so shame prevents us from really elevating our language about the offering that we provide. And so for, for those of us, cause I work with a lot of like really heart centered entrepreneurs and I understand the process cause I had to freaking go through it and I still go through it no matter what, you know, I still go through it. The shame just still comes out. Oh, I got to, I got to um, charge for something, but we look at, especially for heart centered folk, shame is a really big one. We don't like to be visible. And when we do, we want to stay humble. So how do you fluff up your peacock feathers and do this authentic invitation and not sound like a cheesy salesperson? And so that is what the, the angels can help us with essentially. So it's like good medicine to help us with our messaging, to help us feel more confident, to help kind of shift around the shame beast so that we can speak up in full peacock full spectrum and, and really work on like our messaging and that process of, of how do you take people down the marketing funnel where it's every step is authentic, but you're not selling yourself short on any level. You're really saying the truth because Tessa, like, I think a lot of people, they hold back the truth of why this offering is the freaking bomb.com because they want to say like, I'm humble. Right. But if we yeah. just really said, like, you people are insane if you don't jump on this bandwagon now, but like in our own ways, because that's kind of how I feel about some of my offerings, especially if spirit has brought folks to me. It's like, if spirit has brought you here, you need to look at why you're saying no, <laughs> you know, right? Mm -hmm. So investing and yeah, we have a hard time investing. Women in particular are not designed, are not, not designed. We are designed, but we're not taught that investing ourselves, investing in ourselves is wonderful and healthy. So we, each of us has to kind of up the, up the bar and put ourselves first sometimes and not just everyone else. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to do with, you know, what we place value on culturally. Oftentimes I think we, um, we get carried away with the tangible the tangible things, you know, like, oh, I can buy that car, I can buy that house, I can buy that pair of shoes, whatever it is. And then I have something to show for it that you can actually see. And it's a fact that you can see this pair of shoes that I bought and it is a value, <laughs> whatever it may be. I'm not sure why I'm choosing shoes um, versus I went to this workshop, I gained this level of self-confidence and now I have this knowledge to go out and apply to, you know, whatever life situation I want to go apply it to. So I think there is, I think you're right. We're not taught how to, what is it? How to value things that are not so tangible, things that are more like life skills, like communication, like self-worth, like self-confidence. And then oftentimes uh, my next question is, do we have to understand where our money challenges come from? I think a lot of these things, like you were mentioning shame, Shame is maybe it doesn't have anything to do with money originally, but it comes very much from our family of origin, how we were brought up, how we saw our parents interact with one another, how we saw our parents treat one another, how our parents treated us. It might have 
maybe nothing to do with money. I don't know. But do we have to understand these origin stories in order to start to move forward? Yeah, well, I actually walked through some people through some processes in the book about that because it could be the sneaky undercurrent in your the energy that you bring to the cash conversation, your own cash. So it can be like cognitive dissonance, like I need money to live. However, money is the root of all evil or money causes a lot of problems or money is greedy or there's not enough for everyone. If I if I charge this and I'm taking money out of someone's hands and I mean, it goes deep that well, that rabbit hole goes so deep, which is why I spend so much time in the beginnings of the books to give people an opportunity to really sit and honestly reflect on how they actually feel about it versus what they think that they feel. Something else I want to say, too, is that it is no one's fault here, none of us that are alive, that we are in a capitalistic system. That's not our fault. Um, And a lot of people resent the fact that we are in such a a extreme place with, with, uh, with how we are to like survive, but we have to make peace with that so that we, if we're going to be put in this game, we have to learn how to play it in integrity, of course, at a higher level, if we want to kind of be way showers to other heart-centered folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I know there's a lot of tools and you do, you go into this one tool is um, that you use is channel writing. Um, and this is the first time I've heard of channel writing. So I, I'm wondering if you could spend a little bit of time explaining what that is um, and why we would use it, you know, what is channel writing and how do we use it? So, um, channel writing is, is, uh, I I just want to say a lot of us have had the experience of channel writing, but unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those moments where you're writing something, whether it's an email or maybe you've written some stream of consciousness or journaling and all of a sudden just feels like it just dumps out of you. So that is, very much like channel writing it uh, when you're connect so with channel writing you consciously make a connection and in the book i i have you go through processes with whatever angels that because i give a little encyclopedia of angels whatever angels kind of jump out at you it's like mm, that's a curious angel one way to open up the frequency of that angel and start working with the angel is to begin channel writing like hey angel what's up, right? But I give specific steps to help um, make the fields like nice and clear and uh, to to invoke the angel and to begin uh, going into kind of a light meditative state and start writing, you know, what what occurs to you. And the more that you practice, uh, because in the beginning, it'd be a little clunky, but the more that you practice, the more that it can be so supremely mind-blowing. I, I found a I found a channel writing I did about 11 years ago after I first encountered the angels and and I just found it um maybe about two months ago. And I read what I wrote and it was talking about my books. It's like, don't worry about your books, we'll write them for you. And at the time, I was a psychotherapist with zero intention of writing books. And I was not working with angels on any level, except for just personally was like my secret little, oh my gosh, angels are so cool. Cause they were like blowing up my life in a, in a good way. My heart, you know, all of like, I was healing so deeply. So I knew that it was like, oh, angels are real, but I'm just saying channel writing, very uh, successful process, <laughs> I would say. So I would, 
I would do it, especially if you want to get to know the angels and you want to get some healing because it opens up the, the energy and the currents and the, the relationship, if you will. Mm, cool. Yes. Yeah. Super cool. Oh, I love that. I think it's, you know, I've had a journaling practice since I was a little one. So many, so many piles and piles of journals. Oh, <laughs> for this. You were made for this. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, there's been times in my life where I start and stop with that journaling practice and um, kind of feel like uh, there's this, this voice that comes in that's like, oh, this is silly. What are you going to do? Right, dear diary. But at the end of the day, it's so powerful and potent to help yourself process in the way of getting whatever is in your head down on paper in that way of non-editing, non-judgment, just letting it flow. And then, yeah, that practice of going back and reading what you wrote, you know, however many days later is so interesting. So I love, I love this practice. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. It just, when you do it consciously and it really takes it to the next level, it really does. Yeah. You're inspiring me to get back on that. A more ritualistic channel writing practice. Yeah. Because some people use it, especially if you're really looking at uh, attracting more wealth or up-leveling your career or finding love, like whatever it is you're looking for. When you engage spirit and ask, ask like, Hey, give me some advice. Um, what's the best way for me to market this thing or to, uh, attract more cash or what's my new program that I want to offer. And you, you know, you just kind of give it up and let yourself just free flow. Uh, you know, I always say like the angels have been my, the best marketing team that I've ever worked with. Uh, you know, my best friends, they give the, my best counselors uh, from channel writing, you know? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I'm inspired. Um, in the book, you talk about the use of grimoire. There's like specific practices in here where you would use a grimoire. Uh, first, just in case we don't know what a grimoire is, can you tell us what that is? Yeah, it's essentially just a magical journal. It's a, a specific, you know, instead of just like, I'm just going to process some thoughts. It's a, it's a kind of like a, a, a house where you document your magical experiences, your magical intentions and any, any synchronicities that have happened, any inspirations that have happened around your magical operation, which is what we call it in magic. If you're setting a specific intention, you're engaging in a magical operation, you put all of that information in your wealth journal, or in some cases, um, in your, in your grimoire, but you can also have one in your, uh, smartphone if, if you're terrible about lugging uh, journals around. So you can have a, a magical grimoire folder, if you will. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's great. Uh, well, and, and on page, um, on page 89, this is in the wealth foundations section. Um, there's a practice of perfecting imperfection and, I, so first of all, I have a very, what, how would I say this? A very, it's an interesting relationship with the word perfect. So when I was going through my first teacher training, we would pull these cards. Um, and I kept getting this, I would get this card over and over again in a brand new deck <laughs> each time, multiple times. I would get, pull this card and it, and it said, um, purpose over perfect. And I think in a society where we get hyper-focused on this one ideal way to be, live, look, that perfectionism is, it can be the enemy of just like starting or the enemy of good or the enemy of done or however you want to think about perfectionism. So this practice of perfecting imperfection, 
Um, I love all these questions you include. I just want to hear in your own words, since I have you here right in front of me, a little bit about your thoughts on perfectionism um, and why this practice is so like, why, why did of all the practices we could put in this book, why did this one make it in? Yeah, because it's one of the top blocks that I've found uh, with the people that I coach in entrepreneurship or really moving forward in life. The thing that keeps them on the freaking treadmill and without taking forward motion is because they're literally waiting for this magical moment where everything feels perfect. And uh, the reality is it's never going to feel good enough. Uh, it's no, you know, we probably are never going to feel good enough to do the work that we want to do either, um, because we're going to feel like I need one more certification or I need this much more training. And and really often we are over educated and less um, less uh, out there doing it. You know, it's like delay, delay, delay. So perfectionism is a very sneaky beast. And, uh, and because it's not it's not available. It's it's a it's an illusion that was gifted to us by our colonizing ancestors and by the religions about perfectionism versus sinfulness and puritanicalism in those sneaky little areas that are now invisible. We have taken for granted that we need to be pristine and perfect, you know, A's, we need A's and everything. And that's just antithetical to what human is. Um, but it keeps us in this constant state of tyranny internally, because we're never good enough, are we? And so you don't have to be religious to have been indoctrinated into that specific cult. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so let's say we have an idea to start a podcast, perhaps, or, you know, a blog, whatever it is. How do we then start? Like, the voice of the perfectionist is always going to be there. Yeah. How do we know when we're ready to start? Um, how do you know when you're ready? I, I think it's not, how do you know when you're ready? Just start getting your ducks in a row. Um, as far as the the foundation. So if it's a podcast, understand what platforms, you know, how to make it happen. And, you know, the cool thing about any endeavor is like, especially if you don't, you know, put upfront $50,000, your investment is like $1,000. Okay, totally reasonable. You can change directions. The key is getting started, getting started despite you feeling a thousand percent ready. So, you know, if you can just make yourself do things, even if you feel like you're not ready, you're going to find out soon enough whether or not you're ready. But a podcast in particular, easy breezy, you just get a, get a graphic, you know, get that RSS feed up somewhere and just start yapping. Literally, just start <laughs> yeah. yapping. Yeah. <laughs> you, figure out along the way. <laughs> you figure it out along the way, how to push it into the market, how to get yourself heard and how to network with other podcasters to get your podcast, you know, highlighted and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, well, that's what I did. So true. <laughs> did you just stumble, stumble <laughs> right into it? You're just like, well, I'm just going to start yapping. Yeah, I, I literally, well, this is where it came from. For me, it was, I kept, I've always loved those kind of deeper philosophical conversations and way better one-on-one -on -one than I am in a big group where we're talking about like nothing really. <laughs> it's all watered down. Yeah. yeah. I like to go deep and into, you know, theory and philosophy and all of that. Okay. So I would find myself all the time in conversation with good friends and feeling like we should record these conversations because I think they would be really helpful for a lot of other people out there who have the same questions or wonder about the same things. And 
And then of course, you know, podcasting blew up. So I was like, well, I'm just going to, let's just do this thing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I love that. We just need to start. We just need to start recording, right? And it'll evolve along the way. We have there. And I think that's where we get stuck. We think even like if we're going to put a title for ourselves, like, oh, it's got to be the right title. It's got to be the right name. It doesn't. It just has to be good enough. And then you can change it later. You know, when you're informed internally, then it's time to make a little slight shift. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. Um, Okay, so now I'm in... Uh, further along, I'm on page 102, and you're starting to talk about optimism. And this is such a, I think, a powerful, important conversation, especially as we look at what is, what is that term that I keep hearing all the time? Toxic positivity. Have you heard this term? Uh, Yeah. Toxic positivity, spiritual bypassing, all of that. Yes. Yeah. All these things. And you address it here, but I want, I'd love to, to hear you, um, just talk a little bit about that. Yes. Okay. So spiritual community in general, we're a little guilty of being a little spiritual bypassy, meaning like everything's love and light and there's no dark side. There's no edge to life, which is total BS. And we all know it. Um, just not all of us are willing to admit it. So I put, uh, you know, one of the strategies because when I have interviewed millionaires, billionaires, um, folks that I know, uh, new folks, one of the things they have in common is this optimism. They have this this, this like ability to see that the glass is half full. But uh, what I also notice is that they're not dissociated from the fact that their idea can flop and fail. It's just their optimism comes about like, well, if it does fail, I have the resources, the smarts, the wits to get myself out of it. So like essentially BFD, it might fail, it might not, but if it wins, I'm going to win big. It's going to be freaking awesome, which is anytime you extract yourself from the nine to five job and, and you're doing like when I extracted myself from just doing psychotherapy, it was really scary. Um, and I was a hundred percent, well, 90, 96%, it was going to totally fail. Um, I don't believe fake it till you make it. That's not how I work. I don't believe fake it till you make it. I'm, I torture until it works (laughs) and it works just fine. my strategy. So we're all different. Um, but yeah, authentic optimism is, is really like, okay, yeah, yeah, this could be a total shit show, but if, if it does not work out, I'm going to survive. I've survived worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you, uh, yeah, it's important to, to, I like, I love that you called out not being disassociated from the possibility of failure and being prepared for that to happen, but doing the thing anyways, taking that leap, making that financial risk, putting yourself out there, making your peacock feathers really big. I love that image. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yes, thank you. A hundred percent. So, okay. You talk about wealth. Now we're on the the subject of negative positive. So what are wealth demons? Yeah. (laughs) Can you give us an example of how they'd show up in our lives? Well, they're sneaky because a lot of them come as assumptions, you know, that, that we have about ourselves and our capacity. So I already mentioned the shame demon, right? The shame demon is sneaky because you don't even know that that's what's puppeting you. You just have an assumption that you're shy um, and that you don't like to be on camera and that uh, you don't like to network or you don't want to be on stage to say your message because you're shy, but really that's shame not shy. It, and it comes from possibly old trauma, or if we're, you know, not a tall 
you know, white fit male that looks CEO type, we're, we're going to be like, am I even good enough to lead an organization or to, you know, so it's these little sneaky little ways that, um, that we can, we can, you know, mess with ourselves. And from this demon of shame, there's a lot of little, little branches, like, so there's the beast shame, and then little branches of the demons. And, you know, one demon in particular is like self-sabotage, the self-sabotage demon, or like I suck demon. That's one that I name in the book, you know, I suck. So a lot of people with the big I suck demon don't end up doing any of their dreams because they never feel that they're quite good enough to make it happen or that no one's ever going to see them as a valuable person. I know for me, I, the I suck demon, man, I danced with that. I danced with that for most of my life. Um, I know that well. So we just have to really look at identifying these things. What are the thoughts and the feelings, really, the feelings that we have about ourselves in this dream that we're dreaming of? And don't step away from the dream just because you feel like you don't match it just yet. Yeah. And then so I think this kind of goes hand in hand with um, understanding what these demons are and addressing them. What is a banishing ritual? So a banishing ritual is something that traditional magic has always used to clear your space um, before you officially open up a magical operation. So I put a banishing ritual, angelic banishing ritual in there uh, to help kind of, if you, you can think about if over your day or life, you've been polluted with a lot of crap, what a banishing ritual does is create a protected circle around you and the work that you're doing. So you could put, you can create a banishing ritual around your business, um, around your family, create a protective circle where uh, in a way like you, you essentially invoke all of the archangels and potencies of the, the cardinal directions above you, also above you and below you to kind of hold a powerful space um, and a field of protection. So a lot of people just do the banishing ritual. They love it because they could feel the difference in the psychic noise and, um, and just the negativity can just easily can dissolve quite quickly in doing these traditional practices. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So last question about the book and this work is, you know, if we're, if we're new to working with angels, if we're new to this idea of um, wealth in terms of I deserve X, Y, and Z, and if we're new to working with magic, all of these things that we've been talking about, and maybe this conversation feels like inspiring, but also a little bit overwhelming. Where, What's one thing we could do today to just start on this path? Okay. Uh, if you're, if it, we're talking about the book and on the path to, um, to have more wealth, the first beautiful step is to acknowledge that you have a team that's with you that wants to help you and say hello to them. Give them a little love offering from your heart. Thank you for being with me help me see that you're actually real. And if if it's more wealth um, and up level in finances that you want, you can simply say, today I'm making the choice. Today I'm making the choice, dear spirit, dear allies, dear angels, to become more wealthy. Help me with that. And then you start paying attention to what inspirations come through. So when you make a, con and I talk about that a lot in this book, when you make a conscious choice and mean it, it makes all the difference. 
Yeah. Making a conscious choice and meaning it. Yes. Yes. I I felt like that was worth repeating. Is there any last thing that you want to share that I haven't asked you yet or any key takeaways from the book or from our conversation today that you make that you want to make sure are highlighted? Yeah. I I just want to say um, the process of this is so simple. It's really, it's not hard to just open your life to real magic and uh, mostly because we are designed for this and the the kind of universe has been set up to really support us in creating. And so when we learn to create, not just with ourselves, but with the allies that we're given, um, amazing things can happen. Miracles can happen. Um, and really the first step is just being curious, just, hmm, I'm curious about this and uh, just letting it letting it work its magic. So it's for all of us. And, and, uh, for me, when I write every book, it's not just like, for me, it's not just wealth and not just cash that this book supports. It's also inner wealth, opening up our hearts to feel connected to something that's bigger and that is authentic. It's not just this forced, I'm going to say, I believe in this because it's the right thing to do, but actually feel it to me. That's like where real, real wealth comes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Corinne. I guess last final logistical question is where can people go to find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah, they can go to my website, um, corinnegrillo.com. Um, I have an active Facebook business page, you know, Corinne Grillo, and also Instagram, a little TikTok. I'm starting to get up in there and just mostly, you know, partying, giving little snippets. So uh, yeah, the website, you, you can see what I'm up to there and uh, jump in on some of the activities that I have going on there. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm so glad you wrote this book and that you're out there sharing your magic with the world. Ah, thanks, Tessa. You're doing good work. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I know it's like so brave. (laughs) Well, everyone, that concludes another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you learned something new, maybe remembered something old, maybe felt inspired to apply something to your life. My, (laughs) you can hear my dog in the background. She's doing a little happy dance. Um, So Daisy enjoyed it. Anyhow, I wanted to just pop in here to wrap us up to say a couple of things. Number one, I have such an amazing team that helps me put these podcasts together. Without them, I wouldn't you know, be able to bring these amazing conversations to you. So thank you to my producer, my director of creative services, my sound editor, my um, engineer, Consistency Media. Don't know what I would do without you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the amazing creation and artistic, musical, genius, Drew Lovern, thank you so much for putting together this music for specifically for outside the studio. So unique to the show. Only place you're ever going to hear it is right here. Thanks, you guys. You make my world go round. Stay well, everyone. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, share on the socials, especially if it's a show that you think, hey, this could help somebody else. That's what this is all about, right? We're sharing information so that we're better, um, so that we're inspired, so that we're lifting each other up 
and we're learning how to be in this world, living on this planet to the best of our ability, sharing information and inspiring one another. And that's my hope. That's my hope for the show. Take care.